In today's show, I sat down with UFC middleweight champion Robert Whitaker. This podcast has been, honestly, I'd say about 18 months in the making um, due to a variety of reasons, whether it was last-minute injuries, whether it was training camp, um, whether it was me not being able to organize in time. Um, for whatever reason, we haven't been able to schedule this. So to finally get it done has been absolutely incredible. And for those of you who do not know, Robert's defending his title in October and what has been tipped as one of the biggest fights in UFC history. So I really enjoy getting to sit down with him and for him taking time out of his, no doubt, intense training camp and preparation. And I hope people enjoy it. Um, And then apart from that, I'd like to point out that the Patreon account has grown in strength which is absolutely fantastic so for everyone who's donated your 90 cent a month or five euro a month it's uh, it's very much appreciated and i actually do genuinely mean that i know it might sound cringy and a bit cheap but it's it genuinely makes a huge difference to the long-term process of this podcast and ensuring that i get good guests on and i think the guests are improving i think it's getting more consistent i think the uploading's getting more consistent so if as i said if anyone has anything to give whether big or small it'd be very much appreciated because as i said i absolutely adore doing this it's something that started out as a joke and the fact now I'm coming up to my 40th, actually I'm well over my 40th episode, it's a bit surreal and getting the opportunity to sit down with people like Robert and other um, famous uh, sports people and politicians, etc. is something that not many people can say they can do. So if you can help, please come along uh, for the journey, so to speak. And yeah, enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think. Welcome to the latest episode of Rounds Rant. My guest today is UFC middleweight champion Robert Whitaker. Robert is scheduled to fight Israel Adesanya at UFC 243 in October, which is tipped by many to be the biggest event in Australia fighting history. Robert, this podcast has been a long time coming, so I'm delighted to have you on the show first and foremost, and I hope you're doing well. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's it's great to be here. Thanks for being patient with me. I'm sorry, I'm a ter- I'm a terror to get a hold of. No, no worries. Listen, to part of being a podcast host is being patient. So, um, no, as I said, I'm happy to get you on. So, uh, whether it takes a week or a year, it's uh, worth it in the end. So, <laughs> I I usually start most podcasts delving into the guests' childhood and upbringing. In your case, it's it's particularly interesting. It's been much talk about. Because you be you were born in New Zealand and then you moved to Australia after a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, after your birth. So, like when you were growing up, are all your memories based around your time growing up in Australia? And if so, what memories stand out um, in your memory? Yeah. So, um, I guess I like 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 you mentioned, I was born in New Zealand, but um, like literally within a few months, I was moved to Australia and I was completely raised in Australia. I don't have any memories of New Zealand. You know, prior to like, me being an adult and going back there, um, as a, as a child, you know, I have I have a lot of good good memories, but I also have a lot of negative energy uh, um, memories. Um, 
you know, I grew up in, in housing commission, which was like, so I was, I was quite poor growing up. Uh, parents split okay. up, um, alcoholism's in the family. So, uh, you know, we all have our trials and tribulations, but I, but I feel that it, it kind of molded me into the, the man I am today. Okay. And it's interesting that you mentioned that there was a bit of hardship when you were growing up because the two other UFC fighters, if you want, whether it was Mark Hunt, I had him on the show, and I also had Ken Shamrock, they went through troubles at a young age for both different different circumstances and different reasons. But was that part of the reason that ended kind of, well, not ended, started your interest in mixed martial arts at an early age or was it true other circumstance that gained your interest into the sport? Yeah, no, no. You know, my, my upbringing didn't, didn't, um, didn't motivate me to do martial arts. Martial arts, like I, I only did martial arts because my parents wanted me to, to learn some self-defense because my dad, my dad had, was in the army and he, um, he had a Taekwondo background. My mother's side had boxes in her family. So they both recognized the, the importance of, of, you know, combat sports, martial arts. So that's kind of how I got into it. And you know what, what kept me into it was it was just I enjoyed doing it as well as the fact that uh, I'm very competitive. I'm a very competitive person. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay. And, like, was there ever an alternative or, like, a realistic, like, alternative career at that stage? Like, say, when you started in – you started taking it seriously in about 2009 at that stage was there another career path on your mind or was it very much established well beforehand that you're going to give mixed martial arts a go and try to take it seriously and make it a profession no you know to be honest i uh i didn't i i had no expectations of me being able to make a living out of out of out of martial arts i I never thought that I, i would be in the position i am today i uh my 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 okay. whole thing was I was going to get a trade, I was going to be an electrician and 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 fight and do martial arts on the side because that's just a part of who I am. You know, I was just doing it out of, out of the love for it, and you know, I was, I'm very grateful that uh, you know I got the got the chance to to go to the Ultimate Fighter House, and then and and you know win that, which kickstarted my career in the UFC, which then made fighting for a living a realistic option. Well, that's rather interesting. And as you said, when you got to the UFC and won the Ultimate Fighter, before that, you had sometimes would say Australia's Extreme Fighting Championships and other organizations, and that allowed you to build up a, I think it was a nine to two record, um, a win loss streak, so to say. And like, what was there any experiences in those few years, but prior to the UFC that? In hindsight, you look back on whether they were lessons or experiences that really stood to you later down the line for the good or the bad. Uh, you mean in my in my early career before the UFC? Yeah, yeah, prior to the UFC. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, I, there was a lot of lessons I learned, like guiding, weight cutting, f- fights themselves, um, certain aspects in the fights, how I was training. There were a ton of lessons I, I learned you know, moving into the UFC. And and then early in the, my UFC career, there was a, a, there were hundreds more lessons that I had to learn, you know, the hard way. And, um, yeah, it, it's – they weren't always easy, but, you know, I, I feel like in the end I, I definitely benefited from those lessons. And you, as, as we've previously mentioned, you won the Ultimate Fighter in 2012 and – Shortly after that, 
you suffer back-to-back losses to uh, Court McGee and Stephen Thompson. And they're really the only major blips you've had in the UFC. Yes, there's been, I'm sure, struggles through training or preparation or the mental side of it, but they're the only losses, so to speak, in the UFC. Like, is there any... Can you put them down to any specific reasons? Like, how mentally tough was that period of back-to-back losses and reestablishing yeah. yourself as a person, but then also as a fighter moving forward? Oh, it was terrible. It was, it was very hard, very hard. Um, exactly as you said, I had to I had to rediscover myself as a fighter and as a person. More importantly, I had to I had to really look at what what made me tick, uh, what what I was missing, you know, where, how I how far I strayed from who I wanted to be when I was younger and who I am today, and um, you know, in 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 doing so. Though I, I feel I got much closer to my family, much closer to my wife, um, and 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 in in fixing that aspect, it directly improved my my fight game aspect. You know, the the two are not like mutually exclusive; they they're together. So it was important for me to to realize that. And would that tie into your motivation even now? As you said, there the family became such an important part of you as a fighter, and then I'm sure you outside of fighting but was that something that really kind of re-energized yourself and something that you constantly had to remind yourself of of why you were doing fighting and how important it was to you know be able to first and foremost obviously provide for the family but also use that as a source of motivation yeah i i I had to you know I, i had to do it and then um and like the the man I am today, like I because I went through that period, I I realized like how I can stray and what I'm fighting for and what I'm doing it for and who I want to be and make you know I, I just keep myself in check. I just keep myself um you know conscious of the fact that you can like it can happen. You can stray. And as as I said, they were the only really two blips so far in the UFC in your time in the UFC and you bounce back with a unanimous decision against Mike Rhodes. And then all of a sudden you move up to middleweight. So like, what was the thought process behind that? Was that a case of you wanted to make that decision? Was it your coaching camp? Was it someone outside of that that said, you know what, you'd probably be best suited for it. Yeah. To move up to middleweight. Yeah. I, um, it was, it was a decision I made because I was getting bad. I was getting bad anxiety thinking about the weight cuts. Um, Leading into into fights because it's just how hard they were, and then um, the 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 last cut I had at welterweight was was pretty pretty terrible for me. It, it you know uh, it hurt, <laughs> it hurt. It was very hard yeah, to I do. Imagine, and um, yeah, I just it was either it was either move up or quit. And specifically speaking, whether it was I remember I asked Ken Shamrock about his weight cuts, and he gave us some pretty pretty bleak uh, early mornings and lack of sleep um, days where they had to basically starve themselves and sit in bats and all that type of stuff. Was there was there any moments where you went through the ringer because there's been there's been a lot made of the weight cuts and the fact that there should be more maybe adaptable circumstances and more healthy way of going about it rather than having to pretty much dehydrate your body from top to bottom over the course of four or five days like was there any any particular moments that really stand to you whether it was sitting in a bath sitting in a sauna having to lose 20 pounds in 24 hours like is there any memories you have of certain weight cuts that stand out and which it makes you look back and go thank god i'm a middleweight now 
Yeah, all of the welterweight ones. <laughs> Honestly, every single one, especially that last one. That last one, I did 7.4 kilos on the day, morning of. And, um, yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I would never go back. I would never go back for any amount of money. And do you think that's, I remember talking to your fellow fighter Mark Hunt about it, like, can you recover? Like, do you feel 100% after making such a dramatic weight cut? I know you've got 24 hours or even a bit longer to get food on board and rehydrate yourself, but do you still feel the effects of it for a day or two or maybe even three days after? Or do you feel 100% while you're entering the octagon? No, the, the way I do it now is, is very scientific. It's very... um. It's very and like this is my natural fighting weight. Like this is the weight I should be. Obviously, mm. I still have to do a cut, but it's much healthier than I than I was doing it when I was a welterweight. So, uh, like I, the the effects don't last. Like I don't feel the effects as 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 um as much as well as I bounce back much faster. Okay, this would be dismissive of me not to mention. Like your le- during your latest weight cut, the last minute injury you had leading up to the Calvin Gastelum fight. Like I don't want you to talk through because you've done that, I'm sure, plenty of times uh, online and also in person. But like in the in the last few years and leading up to the most recent fights, and you wanting to defend the belt has been a few setbacks but like how difficult was that and we talked about it before whether it was true losses to court mcgee or stephen thompson but like when that happens an outside force and an outside factor comes in to disrupt you defending the belt and getting back into the octagon like how frustrating ultimately you want to be 100 healthy and you need to think bigger picture bigger picture here but how frustrating was it to go through all the camp and then suddenly be told less than i think it was 24 hours before the fight that you know you're going to need surgery and you're going to need to take a bit of time off before you get back on the horse yeah no i was gutted i was really was gutted because um not only did i let a lot of people down i let my coach down i I didn't earn any money you know i didn't put the training camp into into practice i didn't i didn't get to work and um i don't know to to pull out of a fight day of is is terrible it's terrible like Mm. i just yeah it's a terrible thing to do and um, I couldn't imagine. In saying that, like it, it was on. also a blessing though, because I could have died, you know. So yeah, so I'm still here to fight another day as it is, and uh, you know, I, I got to thank God for that. And like, if you, if you look at your trajectory now, like you've won, I think it's eight fights in a row at middleweight, including your two latest big wins against Romero, and that's made you pick up the interim belt. Um, or you can say the belt. Uh, the reason I say interim, it just leads me on to my next point, is in a lot of people and even Israel are labeling you as the fake champ or you haven't justified your belt yet. So with this upcoming fight against Israel, like, do you feel that it's it's extra important? Is there that little bit of edge to prove the doubters wrong that you were the legit champion, that this is actually your belt or is it not really about that? It's about just keeping your record intact and beating who's in front of you. Yeah, it's the latter for sure. It's it's much more about me just getting in there and getting to work. That's all I want to do. I've never put a lot of emphasis on me having the belt. You know, that was just a result of all the hard work I put in. My but my legacy is 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 my fighting. It's what I do. It's 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 I go in there and I put on a great show and 
and I win a lot of the time. So, like that's that's what I want to do. I want to get in there and I want to beat him up. <laughs> and that that kind of leads me on to just focusing on on the upcoming fight a little bit. Like if you look at maybe the recent Miocic Cormier fight, like this fight between you and Israel is it's one of the standout fights in the 2019 UFC schedule, so to speak. And I remember even seeing speculation and video of where it'd be held, those things up in Dana White's office about Las Vegas, and now it's ended up being announced to be in Australia. Like how big, like how much of a difference, I should ask, is the fact that you'll be fighting in Australia. It could potentially be the biggest fighting event Australia's ever seen, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, the UFC has uh, seen. Like do, do those factors play a part in your mentality going into the fight or is it very much tunnel vision and let all that outside nonsense uh, take place without your kind of energy going into it? Yeah, you know, like I, 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 I'm i honored the, the fact that this is going to, like I'm going to be able to make history and then I'm going to be able to put on a great, like I'm coming back to Melbourne, giving them a show they deserve because of the way I had to pull out last time and to put a show on bigger with a more anticipated opponent. Um. Yeah, I'm 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 stoked to be able to do this, uh, and that's kind of where it stops though, because at the end of the day, I have to put the blinkers on, I have to focus on the fight, I have to get in there, and I have to do my work, and I have to get jo- get a job done. Yeah, no, I get you. And like, how much leading up towards this fight um, does the fight consume you? Like, I know you've got intense training camp, but like, in other words. Like, what do you do to park that? What do you do to be able to spend time with the family and not have your mindset or kind of thought process elsewhere? Can you chill with friends without having to be reminded about the upcoming event? Like, what do you do to get away from it at all? Yeah, you know, uh, the biggest thing is that um, for me is that I just – I'm very good at switching off. It is very important in our industry, in our sport. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of – you know, a lot of anxiety involved in the sport. It's pretty. It's pretty. Mm. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> so, um, to for me, I I just when I when I leave the gym, I switch off. I put a podcast on that that's usually about video games. I get home, I spend time <laughs> with my kids, and I just play with them. Or then I jump on my computer and I call up my friends, and we we play some video games, and we just enjoy. Uh, and I'm just I'm just just I'm just in the moment. I'm playing games. Or I'm playing with my kids, and I'm not. I'm not worried about fighting. I'm not worried about any of that. Okay. And uh, I sort of have to ask it, what is the massive craze with Australian fighters being obsessed with gaming? Because when I was interviewing Mark Hunt about a year or so ago, it took him about 15 minutes um, towards the end of the podcast before he stopped to quote himself, slaying some noobs because he was obsessed <laughs> with uh he's obsessed with gaming so what like where does the common ground of the love of gaming come from um yeah i, I don't know to be honest i do, I do know mark hunt's been a, a gamer her like his whole life he's, yeah, he's, he's played, he's played anyway. yeah huge fan um but like I guess some people just enjoy it. Some people don't. You know, I feel that gaming is a, is a great way to escape the pressures of maybe life, let alone fighting. So, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of fighters have have um have you know troublesome upbringings, 
some maybe they're trying to escape some demons. You know, I, I'm, I, that's certainly why I think I took to gaming in the first place. But in saying that, though, my my father always loved video games, and I just I just love them. And what would your go to be? What would be the number one? Uh, it's, it's usually game whatever the flavor of the month is. Right now, it's Crusader Kings two. Just great fun. Okay. I'm actually I heard in, of that, but oh, it's, it's a great strategy game, mate. I'm actually trying to take over Ireland as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, I play a lot of Elder Scrolls online, a lot of like a lot of online games where I can play with my friends as well. Yeah, no, it's good to get a bit of trash talking and a bit of banter going with the lads, 100%. and. I suppose that that's another point of interest I'd like to bring up is the whole idea. And you spoke about it a lot with regards to the promotion and the trash talk and that's involved with a fight. And me being Irish, I'm, I have to listen to Conor McGregor for months on end, whether he's trying to do boxing or UFC and he loves to market the fight. He loves to try to get the whole psychology of the verbals going. And it makes me want to ask you, like, do you, Obviously, you like to do your talking in the octagon, and if your opponent wants to talk crap about you, he's he's got full uh, permission to do so. Mm-hmm. But do you feel that there could be an element of your fighting game that you could be missing out on? Like, do you genuinely feel that opponents can, well, maybe not opponents, but fighters can get a mental advantage over an opponent by basically talking shit to him prior to a fight because in my view, my experience, especially with say someone like Conor McGregor is so effective at it, it can make a massive difference prior to the fight. Yeah, I feel that some people can certainly get affected by by um you know smack talking and getting in people's heads. Um but this is just not me. I, I um I'm not a smack talker. I uh, I don't I, and I don't listen to smack talk. So um you know, it's it's a it's a positive and a negative, I guess, because it's positive because I don't have to be involved in any of that stuff. I don't have to worry about opponents getting into my head or anything like that because I'm I'm just not involved. But it's it's negative in a way that because I'm not selling the fight as hard as I could be. You know, if I if I was doing so. Hmm. But you know, that's just me. You know, and I'm not gonna I'm not, I'm not gonna the change change who I am for the sake of selling fights or, or any amount of money. I um. You know, I'm going to stick true to 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 who I am and and what I represent, and I'm going to run with that as 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 far as I can. Yeah, well, if the results do the talk, and that will sell naturally. If you look at the likes mm. of GSP and stuff, they weren't exactly the most blessed with the mic, and like even yeah. even looking towards, or even maybe like. Do you look towards the future and ever think about like what type of legacy you'd like to leave in the sport? Like, is there? I know Daniel Cormier has gone on so much about like, oh, I want to be done by forty and kept fighting. Like, do you look that far ahead? Like, can you afford to look that far ahead with regards to thinking what legacy to want to leave? And is there a certain age you'd like to be done by? Yeah, I'd like to be done by thirty-five. Like that's just me. I'd like to be. I'd like to be done by then. Um, just because I don't want to be fighting my whole life, and um, yeah. brain damage is real, <laughs> I know this. Yeah. So uh, you know, I'm going to do my best to to maintain my brain and to to maintain my health. And uh, yeah, I feel like I'm going to get some prime. I'm going to hit the hit the iron while it's hot. I'm going to put everything I can in these next in these next years, and then you know, bow out when it's when it's time to, and and then move on to other endeavors. And like uh, speaking of other endeavors, and as you said, like some people argue there's 
the certain ages where you're in your prime. And I'd say for most middleweights, it tends to be, as you said, between really the age you're currently at and the early, early 30s. So you'd be hopefully at the prime of your power. But like, is there other things outside the octagon that you're kind of preparing for that'll make the transition from UFC fighter to whatever businessman or other um, bits and bobs that you plan on doing when you leave the octagon for good? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, like um, I, I have multiple businesses at the at the moment. Like we have we have two gyms at the in Sydney, uh, Smeaton Grange and Gracie Artaman, which uh, you know they're great. Coaching is great. Meeting people and and you know getting people involved in combat sports is great. But also we're working on a podcast, Grange TV as well. You may have heard of it. Um, we're just yeah, no, listen to it a good bit. It's very enjoyable. Yeah, we're just building up slowly with with that. You know, I'm really enjoying that. Um, trying to open up a little bit more, get out of my shell, and and just you know let let people in. And uh, yeah, we've got some educational programs we 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 work around as well. So uh, yeah, well you know there are a lot of endeavors I'm I'm currently pursuing outside of the, the the fight world, which is why I don't have time to smack talk and and all that sort of stuff because. I'm busy. <laughs> I'm yeah. a busy man. That's a good thing to be doing. And I suppose the last thing I'd like to bring up with the UFC is you're heading into this fight now and like do you feel like this is the fight that's going to define your legacy, so to speak? The magnitude of it, the opponent you're facing, a uh, big up and comer, very talented, naturally, very gifted striker. A lot of hype around him, a lot of hype about your return. Do you feel like this is the moment for Robert Whitaker to really cement himself as potentially one of the best middleweights um, in UFC history, or do you just see it as another fight? Definitely, but you know, honestly, it's one of many. My legacy is going to be defined by one fight. It's going to be defined by a career, by years in the in the game, by the by what house people speak of me when I'm gone. That that's going to be the legacy I leave behind, and um, this guy is just a stepping stone in in building that. Okay, I'm sure he wouldn't uh, particularly enjoy to be called a stepping stone, but it's 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 good to hear that you consider him that, and that shows the confidence going into it. Every and, a stepping stone, mate. Yeah, Win or lose, exactly. How has your camp been? So, like, without giving too much away, I'm not exact uh, looking for your tactics or anything like that. But like, has this been one of your better camps? Do you feel in the prime shape of your life compared to maybe previous camps? Um, have you been nice and relaxed? Has it been intense? How's it been? Yeah, best best camp yet. Best camp yet. And um, uh, mentally, uh, I'm the best I've been. Physically, I'm the strongest, healthiest I've ever been. I'm so far ahead of schedule in terms of in terms of um, skill sets and fitness and strength. And I just, I, I cannot wait to get in there and, and get put to work. And, and has the last few years, as I've said, there has been few injuries and stuff like that but like have you noticed a notable difference in your development as a fighter because as i said you're coming into the prime years of your uh your fighting age like do you feel that the robert whitaker now has much more tools in his box than what he had two three years ago do you really feel the benefit of training do you feel like you're yeah, without really progressing up the ranks yeah yeah, without a doubt. My, I am honestly the, the best I've ever been. You know, come October, you're going to see the best Rob Whitaker that has ever stepped in that octagon. And uh, I, I, I can't wait to get in there. It's, yeah, I really can't. Yeah, no, it's been it's been far too long. And how I usually finish up 
these um these chats rob as i do a, a quick fire round so sure. anything you can more or less think of i just I'll, want you I'll to do my best i'm pretty terrible at these but i'll do my best yeah well as i always <laughs> say to people if it's absolutely atrocious i can always edit it out but we haven't had to do that yet so we should <laughs> be we should be okay well to start it off um your favorite film of all time lord of the rings if i have to press you which one uh, probably the third one. Okay, Return of the King. Of what the King. is, what is your biggest fear? Spiders. <laughs> oh, I'd Ter- agree. It's funny I'm you terrifying. say that. <laughs> so what, what do you do? What do you do in Australia? Considering they've got the absolute. Mate, most I've just always been here. They are freaking huge, here, mate. <laughs> they are huge. Oh, I don't want to get into detail. Let's move on swiftly. Jesus, who <laughs> is the toughest opponent? you've ever faced and why yo yo romero god just won't go away no two, it was two five two five rounds battles yeah. with him wasn't it I did 50 minutes with that guy <laughs> well, well at least you lived to tell the tale not many people uh. can say that come out the other <laughs> side with a w um the strangest thing you've ever seen or heard in an octagon um Oh, that's a hard one. Heaps of weird stuff. It can, it can be in training as well, is what I say. Um, or it can be a funny story. It doesn't have to be strange, so to speak. I, I can't answer that one. I can't, I can't think of any off the top of my head. It's too, yeah. That's fine. Who's a better gamer, you or Mark Hunt? Mark, Mark Hunt's definitely better at at. at like shooters, that's what he does. But he doesn't play anything else. I'd beat him. In, I'd beat him. In, I think in a lot of other games, but he doesn't doesn't play much other than than Counter Strike or or maybe Street Fighter <laughs> or something. He sticks to what he's uh, best at. He does. And he does. considering I'm used to the constant predictions of Conor McGregor, and when he will finish someone in a fight, if you were to predict how. Your fight's going to go down with Israel. Could you give us a sneak peek of a prediction? Uh, knockout round one. Ooh, ambitious. So if I put money on that, you reckon it'll come true, yeah? Uh, I'll do my best to make it come true. <laughs> I'm sure you will. And second last, second last question is the most memorable moment you've had in the UFC thus far. Um, winning the title. Definitely. Okay. And last but not least, and this is always the toughest one, so um, bear with me here. And it's always a bit cringy, but sum yourself up in three words. Uh, Father, dad, husband. Very good. Have you done that? Have you been asked that one before? That's my Instagram blog. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's technically cheating, but it counts. It counts. Okay, well, listen, Rob. I know, I know. You've, I'm sure you've got a busy schedule and stuff like that. So I really take um, great joy in having you on the show, and I can't thank you enough. And I know this has been a long time coming. So to get you on, especially on the eve of such a big, a big moment for you and a big fight coming up, it's uh, it's much appreciated. And I go along with the majority of my listeners who've been nagging me to get you on the show. Um, I can't wait to see you back in the octagon, and I wish you the best in the cup, upcoming weeks and. As you said yourself, I look forward to seeing you hopefully knocking Israel out in the first round. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me as well.